0: you're listening to everyday creative people i'm your host dina adrians and this podcast is for the doers dreamers and makers of the world for anyone who wishes they had more time and freedom to play struggles with creative blocks or who's trying to figure out how to make a living while making art i'm here to stumble through the madness by your side once you finish listening to today's show please take a moment to subscribe to future episodes and rate the podcast leave a comment and tell a friend it will really help me out you can also join the community over in the Creative Playground Facebook group after the show and find all the show notes at dinaadriance.com slash ECPPodcast. Now settle in, get comfy, and enjoy the show. Welcome to another episode of Everyday Creative People. Today, my guest is choreographer Claudia Schreier, who I'm so excited to interview. Um, We met a few years ago when I was singing with a choir um, called Tapestry in New York, and Claudia actually invited us to sing behind some of her dancers uh, for a performance that they did, which was Awesome. Um, one of the most incredible things I've ever done, actually. <laughs> um, <laughs> Claudia has been commissioned by organizations including the Vale Dance Festival, New York Choreographic Institute, and Joffrey Winning Works, and has upcoming commissions with Ballet, Hispanico, and Dance Theater of Harlem. Since 2015, Claudia Schreier & Company has presented several evening-length performances of her choreography, and in 2017, uh, they made their Joyce Theater debut featuring dancers from New York City Ballet, American Ballet Theater, Miami City Ballet, and other leading companies. Um, So... Claudia has been doing some incredible stuff um, and I'm really excited to have you here today. Welcome Claudia.
1: Thank you so much. So good to talk to you.
0: Yeah Um, so can you start us off by just giving us a little bit of your background story. Like what what brings you to this place that you're in today? I know oh, that's, that's such a big question, <laughs> 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 yeah. but just um, start off and we'll, we'll see where it takes us.
1: Basics, right. You no, know, it's funny. Whenever someone, you know, asks uh, that question, you, you inevitably start, you know, oh, well, a couple years ago and then you think, oh, but it was really because this person brought me to this place. Oh, because of that experience, that couldn't have happened <laughs> because of these seven things that had to have come to the fore. So um, <laughs> it's really, I mean, that being said it's I'm here because of so many people who have helped me get to this spot um but I started um I was born in New York in New York City and I uh, moved to Westchester when I was four and I went to a school called the ballet school of Stanford in Stanford Connecticut So you was uh, pretty close mm-hmm. to the border um and I just I fell in love with dance at a very young age um I started technically at three and never really stopped I um I would go to the city with my parents to see New York City Ballet and American Ballet Theater when I was young, um, and was exposed to a lot of, a lot of dance and a lot of, um, music, especially classical music at a very early age. And so that was a, a really big part of my upbringing and it had a huge influence on where I ended up going. Uh, and so throughout my childhood and teenage years into early adulthood and now, um, dance and music has always been an outlet for me as much as they have been kind of a a professional goal, rather. And um, that's been kind of a driving force for a lot of things that I've done.
0: Hmm. So when you graduated from high school, um, you went to Harvard um, for your bachelor's degree. And what did you study Mm -hmm. at Harvard?
1: I studied sociology.
0: And when you went there, did you think that you would go into dance professionally?
1: I really didn't. Um, I I am incredibly grateful for the experience I had. And I landed at Harvard, um, well, through (laughs) a lot of luck, (laughs) Uh, but also because I, um, unlike a lot of my peers, I didn't feel as though I would end up going the professional route in terms of dancing. So a lot of my colleagues at my ballet school were either going from um, our school into professional companies directly, or they were going to mm-hmm. pre-professional mm-hmm. training programs based in the city. Some went to Canada, some were, you know, state in New York or Connecticut, but they were all uh, very much so on the professional track. And I had a, a lot of injuries growing up and I kind of um, was in this place physically and emotionally where I realized that the ballet life was not uh, my future, as much as I loved it, I, I call myself into a former funhead. It's really where my my heart was, but I knew that I wasn't necessarily going to end up there. And so I ended up Valley was still everything to me. And so I begrudgingly applied to uh, colleges. My father will tell you that they had to drag me to college business. <laughs> and um, you know, on the other thinking about it on the other side, now it's so funny because I owe everything to having gone to college and I loved everything about mm-hmm. it. Um, and place so much uh, of I just I tell dancers now that you have to, to stay involved in academia and put your heart into your academics as much as the dance world. But that's a whole other story. Um, but I was <laughs> still kind of entrenched in this ballet world, and I applied to 14 schools. And out of these 14 schools, only one of them didn't have a dance major or minor mm-hmm. or was a conservatory, and that was Harvard. And so when I got in. Uh, It was kind of like a, I guess I got to go, it's Harvard. (laughs) Um, But when I ended up, uh, you know, going for the visits, I I saw the Harvard Ballet Company perform, which is a student-run organization that continues to thrive. Um, I visited the Harvard Dance Department, which is run by Elizabeth Bergman, um, currently run by Jill Johnson. But I saw that they were bringing in all these incredible uh, dancers, these dance legends, really, who are protégés of the masters, like Marcia Graham and Jose Lamon and uh, mm-hmm. Paul Taylor and George Balanchine. And that had a, a huge impact on my, on my dance career now, actually, because I would do, you know, studying sociology, so that was my academic focus. But all of my time spent outside the studio was with my peers at the dance studio. And so I was uh, dancing in existing works, I was being created on by fellow um, students. I was having opportunities to create my own ballets. And so the irony of all this is that because I decided not to pursue a professional career, um, I can give a large part of, or in in large part to, sorry, (laughs) my career now is due in large part to having gone to school and kind of kept my focus on the academic side while still keeping dance as a passion. Hmm. And so I never Hmm. felt exhausted by it. It was the thing that and me, that energized me, that I would turn to when it was eleven o'clock, and I really had to finish that paper, but really I just wanted to listen to some film gloss on the side, or some Mozart, <laughs> or some Beethoven, or whatever it was. Um, it really enabled me to to experience dance as uh, a, a source of um, it was a source of solace. It was a source of inspiration, um, and it also kept my mind engaged in multiple ways because I wasn't just doing dance all the time. I was surrounded by this incredible community of thinkers and Mm -hmm. uh, creators and I think that in a large way influenced what I ended up doing now because um, just the diversity of the (laughs) diversity across the board um, but the sorry I'm like all over the place now. Let me think back (laughs) (laughs) to
0: what I was Take take your take
1: your time. <laughs> yeah, because I think there's so many ways to to go about explaining how hmm. how how being at Harvard influenced me. Um, from the, the the my fellow classmates to the classes that I took to the uh, the artists who were brought in on the dance side um, to the experiences that I got out of being there. I mean, I was an intern um, at the Vale Dance Festival. It's called the Vale International Dance Festival at the time. And um, it's directed by Damien Wetzel, who's now the incoming president for Juilliard as of this year. And I had the pleasure of getting to know Damien and his wife, the uh, Balanchine Ballard and Heather Watts. because Heather came and taught us balancing courses. And so we had this extraordinary uh, exposure to, to the, the, the intricacies of what it was like to be a dancer in Balanchine's eyes. And... Um, to be able to have that experience and also be in a community of the people I was surrounded by. I mean, there's really, like, you can't, there are no words for that. There should be, <laughs> but I don't have them. And, uh, to you know, Damien was running the festival at the time. This was his inaugural year as director, and the second year I went in 2007, again, 2008. And so I had this exposure to... Uh, a vast array of dance styles and techniques mm. and dancers and artists and choreographers and musicians and I mean everything across the board was just first 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 rate and at the same time as an intern you're kind of you're, you're on the ground on the ground level and you are seeing how uh, it, how it happens you're seeing all you the intricacies of running transportation to um, creating schedules to making sure the dancers are taken care of, and that, that everything is running uh, at, at a certain level um, takes so much manpower. And you may not realize it at the time, but all the exposure that you have to both the administrative side and the production side, as well as the artistic side, will later influence what you do on, on your own. And so when I look, you know, 10 years down the line to when I'm running my own company and, uh, you know, being at the head of the, the boat um, I can trace all of that back to not only being in school but having this exp- these experiences um, contributing to these major festivals with these extraordinary artists and seeing how that inspired me and seeing these dancers and knowing that I really wanted to work with them and just envisioning myself in my wildest of dreams creating my own uh having my own visions come to life mm. through their bodies and their abilities um I I can see now where those dream started, even if I wasn't comfortable enough to really acknowledge that and admit it at the time, I can see where that, where those germs started to kind of sprout.
0: Yeah. So what, I know you said earlier that, um that you had chosen to sort of not pursue the, the um, professional dancer path because of health reasons that you were facing when you were still in high school. Um, at what point was it that you sort of specifically turned your attention more to choreography? Was that while you were at Harvard sort of being involved with the, um, with the ballet community there? Like, what was it that turned you in that direction?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, well, I think it's, it's two things.
1: Um, one, I wouldn't necessarily say it with, with health reasons, but in terms of just, yeah, the, the injuries that I sustained mm-hmm. throughout mm-hmm. my early dance uh, career or experiences, Um, that was due in large part to just trying to get my body to do something that naturally it wasn't, uh, capable of doing. And I, I worked extremely hard as a young dancer and when you ask anyone who has the dream of becoming a ballerina, um, you will make yourself do some really unnatural things and some (laughs) bodies are just better equipped to handle that than others. And Mm -hmm. we all want to get our our feet by our head. We all want to get the perfect split. We all want to do, uh, you know, to, to the, the highest arabesque that ever existed. And what ends up happening is that if you're not conditioning your body appropriately to accommodate the differences that you may have that are unique, you can easily find yourself being injured. And that happened to me quite a lot. In retrospect, I can I can see where that developed along the line and, and what I would do differently now. Uh, but I think that in a way, choreography for me developed out of envisioning what I would want to do if I had... Uh, every ability in the world how I could and how that would actualize Um, so that I think even if it was subconscious I think that was part of it Uh, but more than anything else I wouldn't say it was a conscious decision I think I started choreographing um, technically I had this uh, little um, project that I did when I was about 12 years old and it was um, the Harvey summer camp talent show and Mm -hmm. I was invited to uh, present some small solo and I ended up choosing the Nutcracker, uh, the music from the Nutcracker coffee, the um, mm-hmm. Arabian solo. Mm-hmm. And I was obsessed and I put everything ahead into it. And I remember looking at, my, looking at myself in the mirror and uh, just obsessing over how I would embody the music, physically embody the music to express what I was feeling when it was playing. And I th- that, above all else, is the driving force behind why I choreograph. It's being able to express myself through dance, point uh, blank. And that's really when I remember it starting. And then a uh, few years later, I was about 15 years old, and uh, my orchestra teacher, violin and orchestra teacher, Duke Holdenbohr, who's... Extraordinary, extraordinary teacher. Um, also a violinist, a former second violinist for the New York City Ballet Orchestra. So she has always had a love for dance as well and probably knows the history of the company better than I do. Uh, she asked if I would be interested in choreographing a ballet to music from Swan Lake to have our high school orchestra play live to accompany us. Hmm. And I jumped at the opportunity and I remember spending every single lunch break with my point shoes on the concrete floor of the kiln room where we usually practiced um, playing back when tape recorders were a thing that people knew about <laughs> that we have and we keep playing it over and over again um, and it's when I look back on moments like that I really had no reason to obsess over it the way I did other than that Sorry, other than that it was my it was it was just something that I felt compelled to do there's no um, yeah. there was no grading assignment there was no teacher telling me that I had to get it right this wasn't I wasn't you know formally taught in choreography it wasn't as though there was a, a rubric that I was following uh, and I was a type A student so if that had been the case I'm sure I would have done it uh, but this was something different this was this came from deep within and it felt it just felt like something I had to do to feel like my yeah. most complete self mm. Mm. And I kind of went from there. And so when I went to uh, Harvard, I started to close that for my fellow students because of um, opportunities provided through the Harvard Ballet Company and through the Harvard uh, Dance Department.
0: Yeah. Huh. And you said that Harvard doesn't have a dance major, but it they has a dance major. They actually do oh, now. they do now. Yes, yeah, they didn't
1: at the time. Um, they have uh, since developed the, I believe it's called the Theater, Dance, and Media Concentration.
0: Okay. Um, mm-hmm
1: and so now students do have the ability to have that as their formal concentration. There was a secondary implemented before I left, which is kind of the equivalent of a minor. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So we call concentrations majors and so forth, but um, the when I was there, it was purely, we could take classes for credit, but it wasn't going towards a degree. Got it. Until mm. Until I got the secondary, yeah.
0: Yeah, it sounds like you really were very fortunate to have um, some incredible mentors at every step along the way that really uh, granted you opportunities uh, to dive into artistic projects. Um, it's It seems like mentorship really played a key role in your development as a choreographer.
1: Absolutely. And I think there's so many ways to define mentor and what that, what that means, Um, you know, from, as I said before, my father and my mother had music playing in the house from day one. And so Mm -hmm. I grew up with a mix of uh, classical music and, you know, we would, (laughs) it was just, it was just part of of my childhood. We we would play in the pool. We had a Beethoven dive and a Mozart dive and a Schubert dive. And it was just kind of a, it was something that felt, it just infused my childhood. And at the same time, my mother is born in Jamaica, um, in the heart of the Island. And I grew up with reggae and soca playing and UB 40. And so there's this beautiful, lush, colorful rhythm that has woven itself through my life as well. And I think that has played a large part in, um, just feeling this compulsion to move all the time Mm. and, and loving this, this, being able to kind of sink into the ground and and feel feel grounded through movement, yeah. um, While still being you know placed and proper the way classical ballet has taught me to do. Hmm. Um, hmm. So you know it it has started with my it started with my parents, um, my teachers, my ballet teachers growing up uh, gave me this incredible education that I'm forever grateful for. My uh, ballet teacher Stephanie Marini taught me starting at a very young age through when I left uh, to go to, to college. And um, I, I technique is, is so essential to, to ballet, in particular, uh, if you want to pursue ballet education. But ballet is the, the foundation for pursuing so many other forms of dance as well as a career. Mm-hmm. And so I've seen um, some of the best dancers in the world, um, you know, go on to have Futures or have careers in um, areas of dance that aren't necessarily specific to ballet, but they go extremely far because they have that that root. They have that that ballet um, foundation that they can rely on. So ballet technique is everything, and I'm really grateful for having had a really solid education in that. Yeah, uh, and then you go, you know, finding Heather and Damien at Harvard uh, changed my life in more ways than I can possibly explain. and they have just been, um, real sources of inspiration and support to me for a number of years now.
0: Yeah. So when you finished school, um, what did you do when you first got out of college? Like, how did you, how did you bridge from the, the experiences that you had in college into, you know, your career and sustaining yourself professionally? Um,
1: it was, it was a journey. (laughs) Um, I, like most things in the creative world, I, I think once I left college, I was still trying to figure out what I wanted to do. And I think for a lot of quote unquote former dancers, that becomes, uh, that becomes an issue because when you've put every fiber of your being into your art form since age where you started at three or five or 13 or whatever ballet is encompassing encompassing in a way that can be compared to being, you know, trained to become a professional athlete, a uh, professional musician. Um, it's, it, it takes up everything in you mentally, physically, emotionally, hmm. um, and, and beyond. And so when you, lose that part of your identity in a way it's really hard to recalibrate and if you've been trying to maintain some sense of that even while pursuing your studies in college once you leave and you don't have that community that you had Mm -hmm. for four solid years um, it can be jarring and uh, you know there are places that you can go to take class and you can go to New York and um, watch dance take dance join small dance groups but it's it's not the same and so kind of the college becomes a buffer in a way. And when you exit that scene, uh, it can be hard to really figure out who you are. And there isn't a lot of time to do it because everyone <laughs> around you is either going to med school or law school or they're doing eye banking, or they're traveling across the world to, you know, start this company abroad and you're kind of grappling with who you were, who you are, and who you want to be. Hmm. And, I think in some way, uh, that's, that's what I was experiencing fresh out. Um, but I, but I did know that I couldn't just, I couldn't give up dance. That was always something that I knew I had to keep close to my heart. Um, and so I was very lucky to find a small dance company called Chamber Dance Project. It was usually based in New York and it's based in D.C. And I, uh, became the administrative assistant for some, wonderful woman named Diane Coburn Bruning, uh, who's also a choreographer, and I was able to help her um, running the back end of the company while continuing to to choreograph, and so I was invited back to Harvard as a guest artist uh, in 2008-2009, and uh, um, choreographed a few ballets. I ended up going to the American College Dance Festival and was selected for the gala program there, and so I just had these these moments of these sparks going off where every time I created a ballet and got back in the studio with these dancers who are just hungry to make dance and to create and to be inspired by one another. I just, I knew that that was, there's something about that that felt better than anything else I was doing. It just felt right. And it felt like everything that I believe to be true about my, my heart, my passion, my voice, that's, that's where that led. Um, and, um, I think that's where it started. Uh, and then I became through the chamber dance project. There was uh, a woman who put me in touch with Alvin Ailey American Dance Theater, and I became the, uh, marketing assistant and then the manager of editorial content. So I was at the company, um, in the marketing department for seven years. And that's another huge part of my story that I often don't get to tell because People who become professional. I mean, there's a lot of artists who are doing <laughs> a million different things. Yep. Artists are <laughs> multi You'll ever find <laughs> mm-hmm. you'll never find anybody just just making art. And if you are, uh, th- there's more to the story always. <laughs> but that was that became my my day job as my day job for seven years. And I'm extremely lucky that I landed in a, at a company that um, is known worldwide as one of the most <laughs> incredible, inspiring companies in the world. So even if I wasn't the one you know, in, you know, upstairs in the studio, I was still contributing to a greater vision and contributing to a company that uh, has defined and redefined dance in the 21st century. And it's impossible not to be inspired by that. Mm. Um, so that's, that's one part. And then the company, you know, it, it is a nonprofit, but it almost runs like a corporate entity because it's, just, it's a really well-oiled machine. It has a lot of moving parts, and they all run really well and really beautifully. And I learned a ton just by being part of that for so long. Because uh, I was I in the marketing department, that. but there's PR, there's development, mm. um, there's the school, the extension program, the second company, the main company. I mean, it's wow. this mm. massive organism, and you, you just, you know, and and the people who work there are you find out along the way, they're also artists. And so it's this <laughs> symbiotic thing where everyone, you know, is, is contributing to this greater cause, but also has their own passions they're pursuing on the side. And so I was, I was part of that. And that really made a difference when I decided to, when I, well, rather when I had the opportunity to um, produce my own evening performance in 2015, because by that point, I, understood between working for Vail, working for Chamber Timber Dance project, working for Ailey, working for other projects on the side, I understood how essential the, um, the, the administrative and production groundwork is in making a, a performance successful and how much uh, business acumen you have to have in order to be successful on the artistic side. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of artists struggle because they don't necessarily have the experience that are provided with that sort of education prior to pursuing their own endeavor. And I, you know, because of the places I I fell into and because of the projects I chose to pursue, um, I was lucky enough to
0: figure that out as I went along at the right time. Hmm. And you said, you said when I got the opportunity to um, create a performance in 2015. Can you talk a little bit about sort of what led to that opportunity?
1: Absolutely. Uh, I was, <laughs> through all things uh, that happened in our age, I was scrolling through Facebook <laughs> um, for my job, I promise. <laughs> and I came across this post uh, and the title, the, um, the name of the, uh, uh, sorry, the name of the account was uh, Breaking Glass Projects Hmm. And I looked at the post, and it said, "Are you a female choreographer between the ages of, I think it was 21 to 30? Uh, would you like to participate in a dance competition that also provides uh, administrative and artistic support? Um, and would you like to? Sorry, let me start that over. <laughs> uh, explain it properly. Uh, I wish I had the post in front of me because it was so well stated. But it was just, it, it said." Are you a female choreographer between ages of 21 and 30 uh, who has a ballet between the length of you know 7 to 10 minutes that you would like to present in order to uh, present as part of the competition that as part of it uh, has the award of a full performance if it works for the following year, plus Mm. Uh, mentorship mm-hmm. in the artistic and administrative field and I was like yes 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 <laughs> oh my god yes 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 <laughs> and so I jumped on this and I think I had I spent the summer uh, putting together one of my ballets for this competition um, harmonics I created actually for the Columbia Ballet Collaborative in 2013 and uh, just gave it everything I had and uh, won the competition and um, I remember standing on the stage and everyone's applauding and I cannot believe what's happening. And then it hits me. And I'm like, oh, my God, I have to put on a full, <laughs> my, a full evening of my work for a year from today. And like, I just it just hit me and I was like, oh, my God, I have to do this now. And from there on, um, I spent a full year just giving this project my all. Because at that point, I still didn't really know what it meant to pursue a career in choreography I'm still working full-time uh Mm. to that point I had maybe created three ballet, two to three ballets a year and I obsessed over every little detail that ballet but I had never done anything on this scale before Mm. and I didn't know if I ever would again I really didn't and so I remember thinking okay well if I could do anything I want what could I possibly what would that look like and actually um one of the first pieces of the puzzle that I put together was bringing your choir tapestry into the fold. And because as I said, I love live music. I grew up around around music in all its forms and knew that if I ever had the opportunity to bring a live choir on stage, that would just be a dream come true. And uh, hmm. so I reached out to, to uh, Billy, the director, and um, made it happen. And things started to snowball from there. And then I was uh, put in contact with this extraordinary uh, composer um, Jeff Beale who had heard about my work and saw it and reached out to me, and he's done a ton. He's won multiple Emmys for um, works like House of Cards and the movie Blackfish, and mm. uh, he's really, really uh, well known in the, the movie world. But he hadn't done anything for dance yet, and so we worked on. what ended up being his first ballet for dance. That wow. was performed um, to live music on stage, and it just kind of started to snowball from there, and the, I made it kind of what I call a a kitchen sink <laughs> uh, <laughs> of, of, of ballets because I just wanted to in that moment make everything I had ever dreamed of making in case I never got the chance again and the beauty of it is that in kind of unlocking the boundaries in my own mind about what was possible it mm. opened up so many doors for me going forward and because I stopped worrying about should I can I reach out to that dancer for so, justice yes, for me to be ballet, Does she even care who I am? Let alone does she want to be a studio with me? I that started to all kind of melt away, and I realized that there's so many artists who are extremely accomplished, but really at the end of the day want to be involved in something where their um, their own voices are heard, and they feel like they're a part of the process, and they feel like they're contributing to something greater than themselves as well. And it's this community that we built that has kind of started to. Um, it just had a beautiful impact, and it has grown over the last couple of years. And so, um, yeah, <laughs> I can go on and on. But I that, that was a real turning point for me, having the opportunity to um, participate in that competition. That was specifically geared toward women, yeah. women choreographers. Was a It really was. It, it was called Breaking Glass for a reason because it broke this glass <laughs> ceiling that enabled me to to discover. my my own potential in this field. Mm. Mm.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's been really incredible because having met you just at that point where you had gotten that that award um, and then sort of watching, observing your progress um, from afar over that time, it really seems like, uh, I mean, I've I've seen <laughs> sort of the the snowball effect um, where <laughs> it just seems like you're you're now you're doing five million things with dance. <laughs> um, so it's, it's really it feels cool. like that, yeah. Thank <laughs> I mean, you for saying that. Yeah, but it's a great problem to have. <laughs> um, and and not only are you doing five million things, but you're doing some really incredible, like uh, you know, contributing to the Kennedy Center honors and and. Programs at the White House, jazz at Lincoln Center, et cetera. Um, so it's it's really cool to see that, and 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 I love how you talk about um, building that community around the art and the important and and, mm-hmm. and and that desire of all of the artists. And I think that's I I imagine that that's a big part of what has made you. I mean, apart from all the other little details in terms of the training and the and the exposure and and sort of these various pieces that fit together. Um, I would imagine that. Your ability to recognize the desire of all the individual artists in the room to have their voices heard is a, is a big contributor, I think, to the success that you've had. Um, it sounds like, you know, you're sort of bringing everybody else up alongside with you, um, which is just a really, I mean, I feel like that's the best case scenario for for creating art.
1: Oh, absolutely. And, uh, you know, that's also why I know that this is what I'm meant to do because so much about this is the process. And by the time the work makes it on stage, a lot of the time I can't even look at it because (laughs) between the the anxiety (laughs) and the nerves and and just knowing what I would, you know, that I'll want to change it for the next time. By the time it it gets on stage, it no longer feels like mine in a way. And I'm already thinking about Mm. the next Mm -hmm. thing. Um, it's no longer my baby but the and obviously I'm, I'm proud of the performance but the from day one in the studio or even before that just initiating these conversations with the dancers and hearing the excitement about the potential for where it could go and what it could be and, and what we could create together um to the, stepping in the studio to listening to music just figuring out the the these, you know light bulb finding these light bulb moments that go off and go oh it's, it's this and if we take it off of that then maybe you know, we can hang here longer, and you can really extend that movement, and then it becomes something more than just steps to music. You, you, these relationships develop that are so special and so intimate that those that those experiences don't translate on stage, and I'm okay with that. I'm okay with the fact that there is something unique about the rehearsal studio experience that may not be. I think it's communicated in the dedication you see it's communicated in uh the extent to which the the piece may affect or transform the audience mm-hmm. um, but the, the it's that special something that you share with your dancers that no one else can can touch right. or can mm-hmm. take away from you that's that's what makes me love what I do mm-hmm. I love that
0: so from your perspective, what do you think is like? What would you say are sort of the key elements uh, for success as a choreographer? I think for any artist,
1: but, you know, if we're talking specific to choreography, exposure to the art that you want to create or exposure to the field that you want to be in Mm -hmm. at an early age is essential. Um, Having a passion for what you do um, is essential. Like my, my boyfriend sent me this chart uh, the other day and it's one of those Venn diagrams where it shows that it's what you're good at and uh, what you can get paid to do. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, let me only butcher. I think I should, <laughs> I'm going to butcher it. Don't so have it in front of me, but it's, it's one of those Venn diagrams where, it, where it, it, it shows what you're good at and what you could be doing if you had the skill set and, what, how that can affect other people, and when you get into the middle of it, that's your that's your purpose, mm-hmm. and you have to have the the skill set to be able to get there. You have to have the love for what you do to get there, um, and you have to have the exposure. You have to be able to um, develop those skills because even if you're born with them, even if you're born with an extreme amount of talent, if you're not giving the opportunity to develop to develop that voice over time, you're not going to go anywhere with it. Um, so it's having opportunity to to find your voice, really having the time and the opportunity and knowing that you're doing it because it's, it's something inside of you that you have to share with others. Um, I, I think that choreography for me is, it's something that I have to do. It's not something that I... Kind of want to (laughs) do sometimes, and it's a it's a hard profession. There's there are a lot of, um especially now the there's no real trajectory for this, and the way there is for a dancer like a dancer you start at age you know three to five, and you do your whole life, and then you're done by the time you know some people are just barely figuring out what they want to do. Like you will have you have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people who will have technically finished their careers before they hit thirty. And choreography, even though it's related to dance, it's not the same. You're looking at a much larger lifespan for you and for your art. And so it's having patience and dedication and knowing and having faith that there may be it's not gonna be one long uh trajectory that takes you up, 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 up. There's gonna be highs and lows. And as long as you believe in yourself and you believe in the art that you're creating, you can write it out.
0: Hmm. That's awesome. I, I as a as a career coach, I'm very familiar with that uh, Venn diagram that you that you mentioned. Yeah. It's so true. <laughs> Butcher. Uh, but no, 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 no. I actually. I mean, market. I think you did a great job of putting it together. I mean, it really is. It's that that. Uh, there are different words that people use to describe it. There's, um, I think it's Sir Ken Robinson talks about the element. Uh, sort of that, that place where you are in your element. Um, there's also uh, some other people refer to it as the zone of genius. Um, but it's just that that meeting point of your passion and your skills and, you know, what is needed by the world. <laughs> That's like the sweet spot. Um, and it's, yeah, I, I think it's so, it's so critical to really success in any field. Um, so um, I have just a few more questions for you. One thing that I'd love to know is what would you say has been your biggest challenge in pursuing this work? Uh,
1: I think... My biggest challenge to this point has been finding uh, balance in my life. Mm-hmm. I think, uh, in particular, because I've been pursuing a path that really doesn't have a. There aren't a lot of people. Yeah, God. Let me start. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, find, finding balance has been the hardest part of it. For me to this point, because I tend to, with anything I do, I give 110%, and that works well in terms of the artistic output. Although, you know, as you know, if I look at something, I'll want to change everything immediately. After <laughs> that happens, but um, that's that's what being an artist is. Um, but I want to get to the point where I'm able to find time. To, you know, see my friends, make it to all of my family events, or at least, you know, a lot of them, um, sleep, (laughs) eat more regularly, um, exercise, not feel like I'm stealing time away from, you know, the the hour and a half I think I should be spending before rehearsal. Mm. I I, I think I'll get there. (laughs) I know I'll get there. Um, But I... I have felt, especially over the last few years, that this sacrifice is kind of essential and it's not really a choice right now. Um, because a lot, I feel like I'm on a um, this wheel and I feel like if I take two seconds to take a deep breath and, and take some time for myself, I feel like I'm falling so far behind that the break wasn't worth it. Mm. And that's just not sustainable. It's, it's not sustainable, but it's also in its own way realistic because I have experienced that. I have experienced taking off some time and, and, and you know, uh, pushing my attention elsewhere and then having to pick up the pieces. Not not anything that's been devastating. There hasn't been anything catastrophic by any means. It just feels that way because everything is so personal. Um, because you're, when your brand and your career and your identity are all in one and the same, it can feel a lot heavier than it actually is. Hmm. When you can't uh, extract your yourself from your profession um but i think i'm just you know now thirty. (laughs) I'm 30 (laughs) 31 and i think things changed when you find uh you you see people around you finding their people and selling down i'm very lucky to have um my partner um you know going on this journey with me for the long run but I want to make sure that I can pursue this career to the greatest extent I can and to make sure I don't look back and have any regrets about you know projects I could have pursued or, or things I could have done or people I could have reached out to, but still being okay just taking a, a step back and having a cup of tea and being like, okay, tonight I can breathe. <laughs> tonight it's okay <laughs> to take the time for myself, to take a bath, lie down, go to bed in a reasonable hour, and then we pick it up again tomorrow. So that's yeah. where I'm right now acknowledging the importance of that, but then also knowing what kind of personality I have and what kind of work ethic I have and not wanting to compromise that for the greater goal.
0: Hmm. What do you think will enable you to, to get to that, uh, to get to that point where where there is more balance in your life?
1: Mm -hmm. Uh, I think as of right now, what I'm working on is being, is working smarter, not harder. Hmm. That's been huge for me. Um, and also just working, ironically, working more helps me to work less because the time it took, the time it used to take me to create a ballet, let's say it was a 10-minute ballet for 15 people. Mm-hmm. That would have, I probably just, I just wouldn't have slept. <laughs> 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 I would have just it into myself. I would have said, see you next year, and that would have been the end of it. And I am learning as I do this more to uh, to really work smarter and to listen to my instincts to go with my gut and to uh, work just as much in the moment with my dancers as I do when, uh, to prepare. So I do a lot of prep work. I wake up very early, go to bed very late just to make sure that it's kind of getting where I want it to go. But it's trusting myself in real time with my dancers. It's enabling me to hmm. uh, kind of, you know, have more of the, the process take place with them, and I think that also makes the work better because it has more of the the dancer in it. It's, it has more of their imprint on the work when I'm allowing myself to be influenced in the moment by what they might be bringing to the table.
0: Yeah, I think it's
1: huge. And so it's um, learning how to be more efficient, not not to you know make the work so clean that it doesn't have my my voice in it, obviously, but. Mm-hmm. Um, Going with my, my artistic gut more often so that I'm not overthinking things.
0: Yeah. That, that's, a, that's a time saver for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like a, a combination of uh, really preparing well and then being willing and ready to let go of your preparations when mm-hmm. needed in the moment. Is that? Yeah, absolutely. And some of my favorite moments have come out of that too. Hmm. Is there a particular example that you can give? Um, I think one of uh, my favorite
1: things I've done was actually the ballet that we have performed Is for uh, Vigil. It was a ballet that I created on Devon Doan from Dance to Harlem and it's a beautiful um, dancer named Eleanor Hitt. He's danced Suzanne Farrell Ballet and Pennsylvania Ballet. And this was back in 2015. I did restage it um, for Wendy Whalen and Devon for the Joyce Theater when Tapestry came back to perform it. Um, But when we first staged it, I was working on, I believe, four other ballets for this full evening performance. And Vigil was a duet. And so it needed fewer dancers and less time to create. Mm -hmm. Um, And because of the way the scheduling was working out, we could either do it very early in the morning or very late at night. And a lot of time it ended up being these Literal late night vigils where we'd all come in after a long day of rehearsing other pieces. And it would just be the three of us in the studio with this gorgeous music, De um, Victoria and Rachmaninoff. And it just felt very, it was very peaceful and it felt like my own version of church, like this own, mm. it had this very spiritual feel to it. And it was another one of these moments where it was deeply intimate and deeply personal. And it was just the three of us in a room creating something late at night. And I think I had so much of my energy expended elsewhere that in the moment we would, you know, as as we were creating this duet, there were a lot of things that came together through saying, okay, what if we do this? What if we do that? And I did have a plan for how I wanted it to go, an intricate plan. But a lot of the the moments that I hold most dear are these um, spur of the moment uh, pieces that came out of just kind of calmly coming together and, and working through the piece together and I'm really, I'm really proud of that and I'm grateful for it, I'm grateful for the experience I'm grateful for it's taken a sense mm. mm.
0: That's beautiful um, Well thank you so much Claudia The last question that I have for you is just um, if you want to share uh, where people can find you on the internet and if there's anything that is coming up uh, that you would like people to know about I can be found at Claudia Schreier dot com
1: on Instagram at Claudia Schreier and Facebook slash backslash uh, Claudia Schreier choreography great um, and for some upcoming projects um, I will be um, I'll be giving a TED talk on dance and choreography at Columbia University hmm. at the end of April um and then I'm working on two new ballets, one that uh commissioned for um, the Vale Dance Festival's thirtieth anniversary um, for ballet Hispanico and then a new ballet for Dance Theater Parliament as well.
0: Awesome. And so and those will all be happening in New York, right? Uh, they'll be happening in Colorado. Oh, and
1: Virginia to start, and then they'll be going on tour, and eventually, hopefully, they'll make oh, the way cool. <laughs> back.
0: <laughs> all right. So, all over the place. Uh, wonderful. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Claudia. It's been really lovely chatting with you. Thank
1: you so much. Likewise.
0: Thank you so much for listening to Everyday Creative People. If you enjoyed today's show, please take a moment to subscribe to future episodes and rate the podcast, leave a comment, and tell a friend. Drop me a note on Facebook at Dina Adrians Coaching and join the community over in the Creative Playground Facebook group. I'd love to hear from you. See you again next Monday. Same bat time, same bat channel.